0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back into the Punt and Pass Podcast. It is week seven right here on the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Murray. And, Aaron, we have an awesome show lined up for our listeners this week. And our listeners are, are getting the hang of it, Aaron. All across social media. We've had awesome interaction all throughout the week and especially on the weekend when the games get going across the SEC. You can reach us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter, at Punt and Pass on Instagram. Aaron, you are at Aaron 11 I am at Drew Butler13. You can send us emails, Pass at gmail.com. And guess what? This week is a special one because we are going to answer some fan questions right here on the pod and have some great interactions, which will be awesome. In the middle of the show, another fantastic guest. We're hanging with the past theme. Connor Shaw coming on to the podcast, former South Carolina quarterback and still currently fighting for an NFL spot. We'll catch up with Connor, talk about South Carolina, and, of course, the SEC. Week 7, interesting slate of games. Number 10, Auburn Travels to Baton Rouge to play LSU. That's the 330 CBS game. We're going to touch briefly on a bunch of other ones. Texas a m at Florida. Missouri now playing the number four-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. My favorite game of the weekend, South Carolina at Tennessee. And, of course, we got to touch on the number one team in all the land. Arkansas goes to Alabama. So we're going to give you our picks. We're going to do our predictions. Awesome analysis, as always. And, Aaron, what's going on, dude? How was your weekend?
1: Great weekend was out in Reno, Nevada. Okay. I, I think I messed it up one time this week. I said Nevada once, and my play-by-play guy kind of looked at me like, "What are you doing?" I wish. <laughs> Rating, I wish my buddy. Just tanked
0: right after I don't know that. if you
1: saw. Yeah, Jay Feely. I don't know if you saw his.
0: I did see Jay. Feeley. Oh, Let's Jay! Talk about but, that real quick.
1: Oh man, my buddy Jay, <laughs> who we actually Jay and I went to the same high school. We had the same uh, same coach, Coach Wiener, down there in t- at Tampa Plant. He went to Jesuit. I went to Jesuit for a year, but. I was sitting on my on in the hotel room. We had the night game, so I had the opportunity to watch all these great games this past Saturday. And then all of a sudden, my Twitter and Instagram feed start blowing up with Jay. <laughs> now a former a former kicker. I mean, you're a punter, but all you guys are a little little kooky at times. Yes, so yes, I'll but I just that. don't know what he was looking
0: at. Right, I was so like, man, Jay. Let's set it up for our listeners. Jay was doing I forget the teams. It was a Mac game, but it was on CBS Sports Network, correct? Yes, it was That's, on CBS that Sports is the Network. Network. That Aaron currently works for it was about a 50 yard field goal i want to say maybe a 48 yard field goal for eastern michigan's kicker jay was up in the booth doing the color commentary the kicker clearly missed the field goal the play-by-play announcer says out loud he missed the field goal and then jay says it bounces off the upright and goes in he's talking about how crazy (laughs) the kick was i mean it was hilarious. I don't know what I'm, Jay was looking at. To be honest, I don't think anybody does. I think he would probably just say, um, "You know, it's it's tough up in the booth. I guess stuff happens." But what a wild It went viral immediately.
1: It was a, one of the funniest calls I've ever seen. I mean, it was wide by about five to ten yards, and and the problem was he kept going through the the timeout. So as yes. a, they're going to roll go to the timeout, go to TV break. He's still talking, still saying, what a kick, what a kick. And I told my play-by-play guy, right, because we're we're heading to the stadium at that point. I was like, if I do something like, like that, please, like, me. punch me in the shoulder. Give me a little, yeah. you know, cut the throat, my producer. Give me my ear and saying, hey, man, no good. You know, clean that up before we get the timeout kind of thing. And, Dude,
0: you're totally right. Uh, I'm missed, sure
1: he's been getting killed. He
0: missed the field goal, and, and you just said it. Jay kept going and kept going, so there was going to be a TV timeout, and Jay was like, wow, what a kick they tie it up eastern michigan three whoever three points and it was still three to zero i you know i do not know all i know is that my phone blew up as well um because i used to play for the arizona cardinals jay played there for a while i've played golf with jay great dude talented dude as well but man that was a uh that was one that he won't be able to get back i mean golly, i couldn't imagine
1: listen i can't talk any that. smack right now i've I've had a couple mistakes i pronounced a few names wrong this past weekend for hawaii
0: how'd that go so
1: listen it was it was a tough task i allowed my i mostly let my play-by-play guy uh do the names because he he's covered hawaii a few times so he was actually pretty good at pronouncing some of those crazy names and i kind of just said numbers and reiterated what he said so i wasn't it wasn't too bad it was a fun game to call a surprising game nevada was zero and five heading into the game hawaii two and three but has played pretty well in a couple of their losses this year. So I was expecting Hawaii to kind of come in there and roll uh, throughout through the game. And, and it turned to be a great game to call. Nevada ended up winning some big plays up and down the field. So it was fun. And then I get the opportunity this weekend to head to Orlando to cover central Florida. The Knights are rolling right now. Another top 25 team. So it's going to be fun watching those guys because they're doing some great things on both the sides of the ball as well. Uh, now for you, Drew, I heard you had a good weekend, a little SEC Uh, country scoreboard show this past weekend
0: yeah so i got invited cox media invited me out to do their sunday morning sec scoreboard show brought to you by texas pete so i did that it was cool they actually have a pretty sweet like studio setup where you can do facebook live shows podcasts so i went in there on sunday morning uh it was fun how they kind of had the fan interaction right there live as we were doing it um, you can ask all these questions. We'll answer them live. But we went through every single SEC game this past weekend. Probably spent about six to ten minutes on each. It went for an hour. Uh, it was cool to get back in front of the camera. I don't think I delivered too many like blazing, scorching hot takes, but it was fun. Um, you know when you have the fans asking you questions and then you get to answer them right there in real time. It was sweet and. Man, a lot to talk about with that Alabama-Texas A&M game. Um, Alabama commits their first turnover in 37 quarters. They were showing, number one, their receiver. I forget what his name is. It keeps slipping me. But he fumbled the ball. Aaron, he goes and sits on the bench. ESPN had the cameras on him like he had just committed homicide at the 50-yard line. I'm sitting there going, give the kid a break, right? And this is what I said yesterday on the SEC Country Show. It's like if you sit down at a blackjack table and you win – 17 hands in a row you know the dealer is going to get blackjack at some point right you're gonna bust out you can only hit on 16 so many times and get fours and fives that monkey's coming and you're going to have a 26 and be out so let the kid have a break alabama's still plus 21 in the turnover margin through this season that is absolutely unreal speaking of blackjack you were just in reno nevada did you play any did you slip into a casino
1: no, I stayed away. I have a uh, pretty bad luck when it comes to the casinos. I, I had my one big trip as a little bachelor party with Colton Houston, one of our uh, tackles at the university of Georgia when I was playing. And oh, yeah. and we had a great, we had a great time in January there, but in Reno? I, uh, I, no, 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 no. We were oh, in God. Vegas. Okay. No, we weren't, we weren't doing a bachelor party say, in Reno. Jeez. Listen, right. nothing wrong with Reno. I actually have to go back to Reno in two weeks to cover another game there. But uh, definitely not. It's no Vegas, but I, I decided that blackjack is not my game. Anyways, it was, a, it was good for me to kind of catch up on some sleep. All this traveling's kind of wearing me down a little bit. I actually came home to a great little package. The wifey had a nice little care package of cough drops and medicine and other good stuff for me to keep the there you go keep the ball rolling a little bit as I uh, continue all these West Coast games. Yeah, Man, dude, they're killing a, me.
0: You're a road warrior. Those sky miles have to be racking up. Now, is your game this weekend on the on the weekend, or is it a Thursday or Friday game?
1: No, so it's a, it's a weekend game again. Okay, I, it's cool. going to be Saturday night, but the following weekend, I'll be uh, Friday night game, and then the next weekend, I'm actually going to go see Coach Bobo. Oh, I was actually awesome. on the phone with him earlier today, so so during our game, we were talking about Nevada and, and their game plan there, the air raid type of offense, and the coach was telling us in meetings on the Friday, yeah, man, we really want to get to about 50 or 60 passes a game, 80, 90 plays. I was like, man, that's a lot of passes.
0: That's Nevada's so on, coach.
1: That's Nevada's coach, and I was on the air for the game, and I I mentioned it, and I was like, man, we only threw the ball like 20, 25 games, times a game when I was at Georgia, so of course, I get a call from Coach Bobo today. Hey, son, I heard you talking crap about our offense.
0: <laughs> that sounds <laughs> said, just you like Coach Bobo. Every-.
1: Yeah, he's like, you only broke every SEC record and all this other stuff, so I'm like, man, I'm just... Having some fun with you. Don't worry, I'll throw you a bone. I cover you, cover you guys in a couple of weeks. So Dude, it was, you can't catch it was, a break. Yeah, for, I mean,
0: yeah. anything you say, yeah. it just comes right back into your face. I, I tell you a, what, though. I tell you what, though. Every time that we put the podcast up, Coach Bobo likes the tweet, so I know Coach Bobo's listening right now.
1: He's just waiting for his little shout out, always. But hey, how about them? They're rolling every time I turn around. Their quarterback Stevens is throwing for another three hundred yards. It's, it's like. Yeah, it's. I think they're averaging 35 throws a game, something like that, the past few. And I think we were hovering about the 20, 25 mark when I was there. So I guess he just likes him better than me. I don't Jeez. know what else to say.
0: Jeez. Well, speaking of your bad luck at blackjack and how that's not your game, we both had pretty bad luck on our picks, our punt passing picks last week during week six. Guess what, dude? I went 0 for 4. You went one and three because I did not pick Georgia. I said it was going to be a low scoring game, like twenty four nothing, and then Vandy would get a late touchdown. I said Georgia would dominate. Obviously, they did. You took the dogs laying down seventeen and a half, and that was your only win. So let's get a little quick week six roundup. What happened a week ago? Texas AM takes Bama into the fourth quarter, but it wasn't enough. Alabama wins twenty seven and nineteen. LSU, a week after losing to Troy at home. Upsets Florida and beats them 17 to 16 after a mixed extra point by Florida proved to be the difference. Georgia just continues to roll. They beat Vanderbilt 45 to 14. And this game, Aaron, this game, Auburn beat Ole Miss 44 to 23. Now, I'm no math major, right? But Auburn was giving 21 points. They were a 21 point favorite. If you subtract 23 from 44, you get. Twenty-one, so that's a loss for both of us. Now let me. Lay it's this not a
1: push. There's not you. a there's not a tie category.
0: We I don't get like we would get our money one back. two and one. You yeah, could, so yeah. that's a that's a tie. I think it it's just, not a loss. I think it just depends on what casino you go to. Also, though, like okay. a, your your bookie may as well just say that's a loss. I'm keeping your money. Um, but get this, dude. unfortunate. Old Miss scores late with like two minutes left. Okay, it's a blowout. The game is over. So they're down forty-four to twenty-three. Instead of just kicking an extra point, they went for two and missed it. So it stayed at 21. I mean, it was an absolute joke. I don't get it. I honestly do not understand how that happens. And then the Vegas suits just sit back and go, wow, it's great to be in our shoes. But it was a tough week to pick. I mean, Bama was given 26 and a half. That seemed like a lot of points, but they had been rolling. A&M, uh, Kellen Mund, you said it, dude. He looked pretty, pretty damn good last week.
1: Oh, he looked really good, in it. and that's a big surprise. I thought Alabama – actually, we both thought Alabama would come in there and roll yeah. just with the history of this series and what's, what's happened in the past and just the way Alabama's been playing. And, and they started off strong, obviously a big punt, block punt at the end of the game and then uh, going for two and all that kind of stuff kind of brought it a little closer than what it might have been if the uh, if the punt was a block. But
0: yeah.
1: for a true freshman, man, to go against Alabama, a defense that's been – red hot this entire year and and play the way he did is pretty impressive. It doesn't matter if you're on the road or at home to play against those guys and and put the numbers up that he did. I know a lot of people are saying, you know, is this another Johnny Manziel and and different little different playing style, a little different kid, but the kid as a true freshman, like I said, has been lights out for the majority of the season. Uh, If you subtract a little bit of this past game, then the end of the UCLA game, uh, he's been really impressive and fun to watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick, Bama's dominant, and just playmaking safety kind of took over there at the end. Bama just too much firepower on the defensive side of the ball, and especially when they don't turn it over on offense, uh, it's going to be tough to beat them no matter where you go. LSU, Coach O gets his first win on the road in the SEC as an SEC head coach. Remember, he was back at Ole Miss for a few seasons. But Florida scores and then misses the extra point. The snap looked okay to me. The holder puts the ball down, tries to spin it 180 degrees, and it freaking falls out of his hand. Pinheiro, a pretty talented kicker from Florida, hooks it wide left. LSU gets out with a victory. Cocho lives to see another day. Did you see any of that game? What were your thoughts on that, dude? I'm just saying it right now. This Georgia-Florida matchup looks so tasty for the Bulldogs. What a awesome matchup matchup for Georgia I feel like Florida matches up terribly against Georgia and Jacksonville could potentially be a lot of fun this year if you support the red and black
1: yeah it should be a lot of fun down Jacksonville I just think Florida continues with the offensive struggles oh. uh, it doesn't help that obviously their, their number one receiver heading to this season is still suspended their number two receiver was hurt heading into the game um, and they're just not they're still not letting their quarterback throw the ball the young kid Felipe Franks they're still kind of babying him not really letting him kind of go out there and experiment. I saw, I think I saw more times when they were doing their, I guess you can call it the wild gator for them than actually throwing the ball. Uh, So they got to really open it up if they're going to want to be able to move the ball up and down the field, because when you play a great defense like LSU, like Georgia, who they'll play in a few weeks, they're just going to load the box against the wild, wild gator uh, and against this run game. And they're going to make you pass the ball. So until you start getting the reps at the quarterback position, you're going to continue to struggle on offense. And then on the other side, LSU. That was my really my first time fully watching an LSU offense. And I tell you what, I thought they were going to slow down a little bit on the, the motions, the shifts, and all that stuff. But what it is, was like
0: what is Matt Canada doing with those? It's guys? crazy. It's but a lot of
1: it looked good. The jet sweeps looked good. A couple of times they got smacked in the backfield, but overall, uh, I feel it's kind of tough. It's tough for defenses. It's tough for I can see why it's tough for some of the offensive players for LSU because those guys, every play, are two tight ends right they're moving left the receiver's jet sweeping this way jet uh, jet sweep that way so there's a lot of action and, and for defenses they have to be extremely disciplined with their eyes so like I say it's tough for for defenses to see it i thought florida for the majority of the day played it well but i got a question for you you yeah. you held snaps uh for the majority of your career i did extra extra point Are you supposed to spin it, or are you supposed to just put it down and let it roll?
0: Well, you know, that's a really good question, Aaron. With that situation, and it's instinct to spin it, right? But in college, the extra point is still a 19-yard field goal. So a kicker should be able to make it, punch it through, even if the laces are pointed directly back to him. In the NFL, now that the fact that it's a 33-yard field goal, you definitely want to spin it. But odds are if Townsend had just put the ball down and left it there, Pinheiro could have made that with even – I mean – The laces – I mean, he could have made it if the ball was laying flat on the ground. He could just scoop it up and kick it, but it was literally falling. It's like hitting a golf ball as it's falling off the tee, not going to go down the fairway. Good observation by you, Aaron. That cost him. That cost him big time, and LSU gets out of the swamp with a big-time victory. How about Georgia, dude? Just absolutely dominating this run game. Is fierce The offensive line for Georgia may be the most improved unit in all of college football. Jake Fromm continues to manage football games. Vanderbilt is terrible. They do not have a defensive line. Their offensive line, nothing special. At least they can't get a run game going. And Georgia just walked all over them, 45-14. to 14. Dogs are 6-0 and now ranked number four in the nation. Yeah,
1: I think we need to have a little talk uh, around the country about who currently is running back university, because yeah. right now, oh I mean, God. we have, th- we have three great guys. We have a couple of four and five that are also very talented young kids. So I just see this, this talent group of running backs. We have another five-star recruit coming in the talent at running backs at Georgia is just awesome. And, and the way they recruit offensive line last year as well, we have a bunch of freshmen. There some big bulldozers that are going to be knocking some guys around for the next few years. And, and I think the way Kirby's recruited, you're going to see a lot more of that, but my one problem, and it's something I said during the game, a lot of people responded on Twitter, was not asking a lot from Fromm can bite you in the butt when it comes to playing Florida, when it comes to playing Auburn, when it comes if they I do make it, it to the SEC week. Championship
0: game. I said it last week. Yeah,
1: get the kid reps, man. He can't be throwing 12 to 15 passes a game, and then when you play a Florida team, that's going to stack the box. they got a great run defense. Auburn has a great run defense. If you're not going to be able to throw the ball 25, 30 times a game, you're not going to be able to win those games. You're going to need to be more balanced. And I'm not saying the kid can't do it. I think the kid is more than capable of going out there and throwing 25 or 30 times. But if you want him to be at his best, he needs live game repetition and it's not practice, not throwing in practice, but seeing live bullets out there on the field and repping those plays versus various defenses is the only way he's going to be feel more comfortable. And the only way he's going to get better in the passing game. So I thought they wasted opportunity. Yeah, you're running the ball. You ran the ball for 423 yards.
0: Not much else you could ask for, really, when that Yeah, that situation but comes
1: Yeah, up. at that point, you know you're running the ball well. The offensive line's running the ball well. Your O-line's doing great. Practice the passing game a little bit. Get the ball to your tight end, something they still have yet to do this yeah. season. Get these receivers some more reps. So, hopefully, these next couple of games, they'll kind of crank up the pass game because, like I said, they're going to need it when they start playing these, these great defenses. And for Vandy... It, the big thing is it just goes down to once again they can't run the ball. Webb, very talented running back. We talked about it last week in the show. He's yet to have he's he was held under 50 yards once again. Uh, and for for Vandy to get going, they got to get the run game going because Kyle Schirmer is a pretty good quarterback, yeah. not a great quarterback, but he needs some help in the run game.
0: Yeah, there's no question. I want to double back on your point about Fromm, um, but I feel like when we get to our fan questions from social media, that will probably come up, so I'll save that in a second. And then our last game that we touched on, I think the only thing to talk about here is Ole Miss is a dumpster fire. I feel bad for the situation that their interim head coach, Matt Luke, has been put into, and Auburn is picking it up. I mean, Ole Miss's defense is terrible. Auburn scored 44 points, but Auburn's defense – is pretty fantastic. Also, that's going to be a big-time game down the stretch when Auburn plays Georgia and, again, when they play Alabama.
1: Yeah, I think Auburn right now, we knew they had a great defense, and and I was high in their offense to start the season off, and and they started off slow, but now they're kind of getting their ball rolling again. Carryon Johnson, the running back, has just been on fire this entire season. He had another three touchdowns this past week, and they still have yet to get Petaway, uh Cameron Petaway, their their number two back, who also is a stud, to fully be back and healthy and roll. And so once they have him back, it's gonna be a dangerous, dangerous offense, uh, especially the way Jarret Sidham's playing at quarterback right now. I saw a couple passes from him, and and the kid has a big arm. Yeah. And the thing you love about quarterbacks like him when you watch him, it's effortless. The way he throws the ball, it just comes out of his hand where it doesn't look like he's he's trying to muscle it. He's trying to force it. It's just smooth. He throws some pretty sweet spirals out there. Uh, and they look great right now. I'm excited to see, them continue to build on offense the way they've been doing. Like I said, their defense looks great, and they've been looking great all season. And, and their only loss so far has been to a Clemson team who yeah. is very impressive, and it was at Clemson, and it was a close game. It was so, a
0: close game. They, this, I mean, team's,
1: this team looks good.
0: They, they do look good, but there is a blueprint out there to be them, and I think the biggest thing is is to have a strong front seven, which, which Clemson did, Georgia does, Alabama does, and you have to affect Stidham because, like you just said, if he has time back there to deliver the ball, he can do it. With accuracy. All right, little Week Six roundup right there. Now we're gonna have some fun going to social media at punt and pass on Twitter at punt and pass on Instagram. Aaron's at Aaron Murray eleven. I'm at Drew Butler thirteen. And we asked our fans and listeners, and we gave you all an opportunity to get involved with the show this week. A little Q and A with our fans. Kind of a little mid season Q and A. This might happen again in a couple weeks when some teams are on. Uh, bye. But Aaron, let's dive right into it. I'm just going chronologically. These are the ones that we got first. So, countryboy Boy Five Six Seven writes in. Oh yeah, and, and for the record, I said ask us questions about anything. Anything goes. countryboy Boy Five Six Seven writes: Are the Chiefs the best team in the NFL? Oh, by far. They I mean, they, they look, look good. They look they good.
1: look explosive on offense. They, their defense, you know, their defense is always going to play you tight. And Alex Smith, man, yeah. how about this guy? It's yeah. just been. On fire. I love when I was there, he's such a great guy. He's a smart guy, has the ability not only with his legs, but with his arms to do everything you want from a quarterback. So they look awesome. And there's just so much talent on that team when it comes to the receivers, come to the tight ends. Our boy Chris Conley, unfortunately, just I think ruptured his Achilles. So he'll be out for the season. But they still have a lot of talent all around that offense. Great offensive line. So they're going to be tough this entire season. Uh, Unfortunately for them, they're playing a very tough division. You got the Broncos who are playing well. The Raiders, once they get Derek Carr back, they'll be rolling again. And uh, the Chargers are always a good team. They they seem to, to be in every single game they play in, but not to finish all of them. But that's another tough, tough team to play.
0: Yeah, you know, we've been talking about it with a team like Florida or even LSU. Like, when you take the reins off someone like Alex Smith, he can flourish, and that's what he's doing so far in 2017. So the Chiefs right now in week six are certainly the best team in the NFL. Next question from that 70s dog. Do you think Eason will stay at Georgia now that Justin Fields has committed the number one overall recruit five-star quarterback, or will he bolt for Washington State? Washington or Miami? Here's my question, and this might be a hot take, but this is my plea to Jacob Eason: Why would you transfer and sit out a year? You came to Georgia to use it as a stepping stone to get to the NFL. You wanted to go three and out. So here is my advice, Jacob Eason: Put a smile on your face, okay? Be the best teammate possible. Practice your ass off, and when NFL scouts are at practice – Do your best. Show them what you got. You can still go to the NFL after next year. I don't think Jacob Eason will transfer. Why would he sit out a year, further delay his opportunity to get to the NFL? I think he stays. I think he has a little bit of an attitude adjustment, becomes the best teammate possible. Who knows what could happen? But he's going to the NFL after next year.
1: Don't transfer. I disagree. I think he should. If if things... I think the biggest thing for him honestly is to go to these coaches this off season, or even in December, kind of that break point uh, when everyone's back at home for Christmas and just have an honest conversation. Hey, we have this quarterback coming in. He's very talented. He's very unique in the ability that he can run the ball better than the two guys they have there. So if anything, there's going to be packages with from with fields on the football field where he's kind of the odd man out at the moment. And, And it stinks because I was really looking forward to seeing him play this year. But for him, I think he wants to play. You know, the last thing he wants to do, even if you have to sit out a year, is not be able to play for a couple of years. Uh, So as a competitor, you got the itch. You want to get out there and play and have some fun. So I see him transferring back out west, uh, being back closer to home, being closer to family. And being around some offenses that continue, that have been proven that they love to throw the football as well.
0: I saw a statistic, and I'm probably getting the years wrong, but I know it's not, the percentage isn't wrong. I think since like 2011, the top 50 quarterbacks in each signing class. 44% of them over the past six years have transferred. I mean, that's crazy. 44% of the top 50 quarterbacks in each recruiting class over the last five or six years have transferred. Hopefully, for me, I don't think Jacob Eason adds his name to that list, but you say it's probably in his best interest to do so. Next question comes from Daniel Hobbs, at Hobbs is me. How should UGA help Fromm and Easton both develop in this final game before the cocktail party? You know, it's a a 30-and-a-half point favorite at home this weekend against Missouri. It's looking like it should be a blowout if defense shows up. Easton's probably going to get some more reps in the second half. Do you think that's helping them both develop? Because you said it earlier in the pod, Aaron. Eason very well may be needed in Jacksonville during the cocktail party.
1: Yeah, and I think Easton's still a very talented quarterback. There's no doubt about that. He just needs – just like Fromm, they both need reps. When it comes to young QBs, the more reps, the better. The more times you see a defense, the better you're going to get. The more time you rep the offensive scheme, the better you're going to get. So for both of them, it's just a matter of about getting the opportunity. And like I said earlier for Fromm, it's about these guys just open up the playbook a little bit more – start getting more reps with the past game. So he feels more comfortable throwing the ball around and he's not seen certain plays for the first time when all of a sudden you're in a tight game against Florida and, the, and down there in Jacksonville.
0: Next question comes from Jeremy Rayfield at Rx dog or excuse me, Rx dog at Jeremy Rayfield. He says, I'm worried that if UGA faces a team with good wide receivers, that our defense will be very susceptible. What say you? I'll tell you what, with our front seven, and our linebacking core, if we can apply pressure to the quarterback, I don't care who the wide receivers are on the other team. Our secondary has improved every single week, and I do not think that is the case. Georgia's front seven will keep them in any game.
1: I completely agree. I think if you want to pass the ball versus Georgia, one, the way our front four are playing, our front seven's playing, with the exotic blitzes that Kirby's been kind of creating every week, you've been seeing them, guys coming scot-free at, at quarterbacks, I think for teams, if they want to pass the ball, it's going to be mostly quick game. It's going to be slant. It's going to be quick outs. You don't have the time to kind of throw the ball downfield. And and I agree with you, too. I think these DBs have been playing well, extremely well uh, against the pass. They've been tackling extremely well, too, when they had that opportunity in the one on one-on-one d- down the field. So bring it on. If teams want to pass it, I'm sure those defensive ends for us are just going to be licking their chops, ready to get some more sacks on the stat sheet.
0: All right, Jimmy Ellison at Jimmy Ellison. I don't think this is a question. Well, it's a sort of a question. He says, Punt and pass. Hey, Aaron, I heard Drew can drink you under the table. Is that true? Hashtag punters drink more.
1: Oh, 100%. You guys got more time to.
0: You <laughs> guys, are on, car- you guys are on the golf cart. You guys are on the golf course
1: more, That's having Have beers, Thanks, relaxing. I'm in the freaking room watching film there all day. Go. So
0: there you go. Okay. Um, amen. Go dogs. At Amen Go Dog says how does this team compare to Georgia's 2012 team does it do they have what it takes to beat Auburn and then Bama to win the SEC let me just tell you one thing right now and it's not much of a comparison of the 2012 team but Georgia's resurrection in 2017 especially these last 2 weeks It's been sort of like a baphometic fire baptism, if you will, Aaron. They are literally rising from the ashes of these terrible losses that they had a year ago. The Tennessee Hail Mary, losing at home to Vanderbilt. This is kind of like a revenge tour. And the reason I say revenge is because these guys are not resting on their laurels. They are doing the duty that lies nearest, and they understand that they have to take it one week at a time. As Kirby says, and he would understand what I had just said, humility is a week away so it seems like this team is special and i'm not sure there's much of a comparison to the 2012 team because of the culture change the new coaching staff and how much fun these guys seem to be looked at having yeah they're
1: having a ball there and i love your uh, comparison to the phoenix rising from the ashes uh just a great definition an example for us to kind of look at this season these guys are young they're excited they're playing well they're confident. I think the fan base is confident. I think the coaches are confident, and they should. They need to go into every single game feeling like they can win. And, and comparing uh, comparing them to the 2012 season, uh, you really can't compare two teams, but I guess if you wanted to, both very good defenses. Uh, we had a lot of, I think, about seven or eight guys drafted that season. We were very balanced on offense. We ran the ball well. We passed the ball well. And I think that's something that this offense needs to do a little bit more, as we've discussed, is be able to, to – now that they've established the run, I think teams are gonna be heavy downhill safeties, linebackers coming downhill. That I'm really excited to see what this play action pass game can look like the rest of the season because once you get those clicking, that's only then gonna help the run game if DBs, if linebackers are worried about play action as well.
0: All right, one more question before we take it to our guest interview with Connor Shaw, Ryan Swindell at Swindell. And, Aaron, I just want a one-word answer here. If you were Kirby, would you rather play Bama once in the SEC championship or play Auburn twice, once in the regular season and again a couple weeks later in the SEC championship? Bama. All right, Aaron wants Bama. I think I would have to agree. It's always tough to play a team twice in a matter of maybe even four weeks. So... To all of our fans and listeners, holler at us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron's at Marie 11 I'm at DrewButler, puntandpass at gmail.com. And now, let's take it to this week's guest, former South Carolina quarterback and current NFL quarterback, Connor Shaw. All right, we want to welcome in our guest here. It is week seven of the Punt and Pass podcast, and Aaron Murray has brought in yet another awesome guest for us, and that awesome guest is former South Carolina quarterback and current NFL free agent, former quarterback for the Cleveland Browns and Chicago Bears from Flowery Branch, Georgia, Connor Shaw. Connor, thanks for joining us. How you doing, man?
2: I'm doing all right. I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: Absolutely dude glad to have you on glad that you could join us a lot of people are talking about Jake Bentley at South Carolina and kind of the new culture that coach Muschamp has brought to Columbia Are you having fun watching your Gamecocks so far this season?
2: I sure am and it's pretty obvious that coach Muschamp has brought back the buzz in Columbia they're fun uh it's fun to watch them play and you can see their defense is flying around just kind of like how you know our class kind of changed the culture when we were playing and um so, you know, it's a lot of excitement in Columbia right now.
0: So you were with the Bears during preseason this year. Uh, what year are you going into in the NFL, and have you had some workouts? I know uh, I'm a free agent as well right now, so I know exactly what boat you're in. Uh, where are you at? Yep. Where are you working out, and what's the uh, what's the near future look like?
2: Sure. So this is my fourth year, which I can't believe I'm saying that. Wow, and congrats. Time flies. But uh, um, so the past four or five weeks, I've been – you know, recovering from a hamstring injury that uh, in the last preseason game with Chicago, and I've got a workout this week, so I'm excited about that. And uh, you know, we'll just see where it goes.
1: Hey, Connor, Aaron here. So I've been watching your QB, uh, Jake Bentley, all last year, this year, and and really yeah. been a big fan of him. I love the way he plays. I love his energy. He's very, I guess, similar to you. I mean, just where's his emotions on his shoulder, and you can just see the dude is just having a ball out there. Kind of talk about his strengths, his weaknesses you've seen so far between last season and this year, and and what do you expect from him? Because he is he still is a very young QB uh, in this SEC.
2: Yeah, and I think as, as good as he's playing right now, that's a good thing to mention that he's still young. He hasn't seen a lot of football, but, um, you know, the game's just not too big for him, and that's a lot to be said. As a, a freshman coming in, supposed to be in high school and, um, and kind of rallying the troops behind him, and you can see the difference that he's made uh, immediately under center.
0: You know when you when you look at it, and it was un- super unfortunate. But when you look at a player like Debo Samuel go down, yeah, he was certainly one of the top playmakers in all of college football. As a former quarterback, and I think Aaron, you can speak to this as well because you played with the likes of Todd Gurley, AJ Green. When you have a dynamic playmaker around you every single game, what what does that do for your confidence level, or even your comfortable level, comfortable level uh, heading into a game?
2: Yeah, well, when you have an impact player like that, not only as a receiver, but in special teams, he's got a lot of touches throughout the game and someone someone you can really rely on in, in critical and clutch um, you know, situations throughout the game. So it's unfortunate, and that's kind of been the case for South Carolina the past couple of years. I mean, right now up front, they're banged up, and um, I guess that's just life in the SEC is battling through injuries, but it certainly doesn't help uh, losing a guy like Debo.
1: Yeah, talking about a great receiver, I remember my freshman year, Uh, all excited. I finally get to throw a ball to AJ green for real. Uh, Then he gets suspended for the first four games. And, and for us, the whole game plan changed those first four weeks, Uh, more conservative, running the ball, not taking as many chances in the red zone in the past game. And then all of a sudden AJ comes back week five, we're throwing it all over the field. So, it really is amazing what one player can do, especially a skill skill position, like you said. Uh, not only for Debo receiving, but special teams. He was just electric all season. Connor, going to uh, the stadium a little bit, probably, I want to say some of my favorite places to play, uh, even though I hated it, uh, was definitely <laughs> your spot. I mean, it was so loud. I mean, Tennessee's loud. Um, I've heard LSU, Alabama get a little rowdy. We get rowdy in Athens, but yes. you guys... Yeah when sandstorms playing, when the towers are waving, I mean, it got me pretty juice, but it was a pain in the butt to play there. And, and I think I was Owen two. The only, I think the only team in the East that I actually had a losing record to was South Carolina, uh, partly because of that stadium, how wild it got. Talk about home games there, uh, the advantage that you guys had.
2: Oh goodness. You know, I think anyone could say this in the SEC, but you know, I, I really believe our fans are one of the top tier throughout the country. And, um, they're just a loyal fan base even when we were you know having losing seasons they were selling out the stadium and just kind of uh, craving for you know a winning program and something that we kind of gave them we're getting back on track but Williams Bryce is an electric place and the same could be said for in Athens and you know going to the Death Valley and LSU that was no fun playing at 8:30 there but um, that's that's just um, what you have to get used to when you're playing on the road
0: all right, so piggybacking off of the atmosphere of Williams-Brice Stadium, I, I need your favorite memory while you were at South Carolina, whether it's a game, um, a certain play, and then I think all of our listeners would love to know what your favorite interaction with Coach Spurrier was.
2: <laughs> yeah, I could write a book on Coach Spurrier. But uh, <laughs> my favorite moment probably in, in South Carolina was um, my, my last home game. It was senior night, and it was, it happened to be against Clemson. Uh, night game, prime time, and we were going into the game. It was, we were 16 and 0 at home, that class was, so it was to cap it off, and it was a heck of a finale. And that was one of the games that I'll probably cherish for a lifetime. And then Coach Burrier, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot I could say, but I think the coolest thing, you know, there's out of all the accomplishments or accolades, you know, beyond uh, MVP and a Capital One bowl game, it was what was coolest to me is that he kept the referee starting card from my sophomore year. And it just told me, and he didn't give this to me until after I had graduated. And it just told me that he thought that I could be something special at South Carolina. And for for that, that meant the world to me because I grew up a big Florida Gator fan because of Coach Spurrier. And uh, you know, when he came recruiting uh, me in high school, I committed right away. I knew I wanted to go play for him. So it just kind of came full circle and it was um, really cool for me, cool experience to play for him.
1: That's pretty sweet. I need to hit Coach Rick and Coach Bobo up and see if they kept anything from my first game. I'm kind of jealous over here for I, that one. I, I, That's Coach, pretty Coach, sweet. Coach Bobo Prestige probably ripped Spurrier. yours up, dude. Come on. Now. Oh yeah, he's it, it's it in is the neat. trash. And
2: you know, it's just this little flimsy piece of paper, but I mean, I, I think I admire that more than anything. You know, I accomplished at South Carolina.
1: Well, I mean, the guy is one of the all-time legends, playing and coaching. I was up in Florida for the Florida-Tennessee game, and he got announced uh, in between quarters. And just the love and respect that he has, not only in Ford, but South Carolina, but all of college football. I mean, that is to have that guy say that about you is, I mean, that's pretty damn good. I'm not going to yeah, lie. I'm a little jealous on that one. That's awesome, man. <laughs>
2: that's yeah, crazy. it was cool. Yeah. It is. Coach Brewer, I mean, it's it's awesome to see the recognition that he's that he's gotten. You know, he's just someone who's been there, done that um, on every level, and uh, just really cool to be able to play for him.
0: That's awesome. You certainly had a very, very stellar career at South Carolina. I know you gave many Georgia Bulldog fans a lot of fits throughout the fall. Um, you know, heading into this weekend, South Carolina makes a road trip to Knoxville to play Tennessee. Tennessee obviously has their backs against the wall. Have you been yeah. keeping up with South Carolina and what do you think their chances are like this weekend? I have, you know, I've watched them um,
2: since their opening game and um, you know, sitting at four and two, which a lot of, a lot of guys would say before the season, if you know, for if, if four and two at this point, they would definitely take it. So you know, lost a, a couple of tough, uh, tough games earlier in the season, but were able to bounce back with a, a huge win against Arkansas. And, you know, going into Tennessee and then, you know, Vanderbilt, I think it's, you know, you would really like for them to come out on top these next couple of weeks heading into the stretch of of Georgia, Florida, and Clemson. So I think it's pretty critical. Obviously, you take one game at a time, but um, like you said, Tennessee's been struggling a little bit, especially in offense, and, and South Carolina's defense has proved that, they uh, they come to play. So it'll be a fun matchup to watch.
0: All right, I need your prediction on the game. Uh, Tennessee's a favorite. They're a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Wow, I I
2: didn't realize that.
0: I know, I know. Something Funky must be going on, but what do you think's going to happen this weekend in Neyland?
2: Yeah, well, Neyland's never an easy place to play. Like Aaron was saying earlier, it's really loud and can be a little bit intimidating. But, you know, I'll take the Gamecocks. um, I'll give them 10 points. Okay. Nice. I I like that. Of course, Aaron, you can learn something. I know. I've been just getting crushed. Oh man, I've been getting.
1: Yeah, do you hear about that nonsense? I've just been getting butchered. I have to lock my doors in my house. (laughs) Had to call security. Put a camera out front. I mean, it's been it's been a watch out party over here uh, (laughs) because. Well,
2: it's a good thing you put up some crazy numbers in Georgia, or else I think you'd be in trouble. But
1: I I don't even know if that's helping me right now. It's kind of crazy. I got booed out of the stadium. For goodness sakes. (laughs) <laughs>
2: absolutely
0: Connor did you ever lose to Clemson or are you 4-0 against Clemson
2: I'm you know, one of the fortunate ones that never lost to Clemson wow. and you know the, the tides have turned a little bit but you know, I'm hopeful that we can get back on track but uh, yeah it was it was an amazing four years and it makes living in the upstate of South Carolina pretty easy for me and my family right now Yeah, did, there's did
1: you question. have a losing record versus Connor did you have a losing record versus anyone I'm trying to remember because obviously versus us um,
2: uh, there's and... I played LSU once and okay, well, that, that doesn't count. I went count. 0-1 against LSU. Yeah. And wow. I, th-
1: I mean, but in the I, East, though, I feel like you were very dominant. I mean, you guys were crushing it when you were playing. I mean, a lot to do with you. Yeah, well, we, that a, we had a really good well?
2: run. We had a really good run. And, of course, we had some battles with you guys over the years. But, um, you know, it's funny that you go 11-2 and two for three years and not be able to play for the East. And it's just the way it goes down sometimes. And you look at the, you know, the standings right now. And you see Georgia and you see Florida, even Kentucky. I mean, there's still a lot of ball left to be played. And me and you both know how crazy it can get uh, before the first week of December.
0: All right. So growing up in Flowery Branch and playing your high school ball at Flowery Branch, obviously you're decently familiar with Georgia Georgia and South Carolina are going to play on November 4th in Athens. You just said it. You had some serious battles against the Bulldogs. I think that game will be an absolute knockdown dragout. So before we let you go, i got to hear what you think. Can South Carolina serve an upset to Georgia in between the hedges?
2: Goodness, that'll, that'll be a tough challenge. But you know, I'm not going to make the same mistake Aaron did. And I'm going to take my game, Cogs. That a boy. It'll be, it'll be a fun oh. matchup. And you know what? If, if I'm around – uh, you know, around then, then uh, I would definitely love to come watch the Gamecocks and, and the Bulldogs hash it out.
0: That'd be sweet because, you know what, Aaron, if I'm around too, I will certainly be at that game. There's a, a special ceremony going on that Friday night, November the there 3rd, a that I think ceremony. Aaron might be in attendance of as well.
2: Oh, wow. That's awesome. You know, it's weird to have uh, Georgia and South Carolina games so late in the I season. Know, I'm so right? used to having them in the first few games. The second,
1: yeah, second game of the year, I think, was when we were there, Always. Yeah. That time slot. So it's going to be interesting. Like you said, SEC football this time of the year, gets a little crazy injuries, upset. You never know what's going to happen. So it's still a long way to go to Atlanta and that's going to be a big one to kind of finish the get finish the season off for both those teams.
0: Absolutely, no doubt. Well, hey Connor, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us right here on the Punt and Pass Podcast. We hope that you share it out to all your Gamecock Nation. Um, I sure wherever, will, wherever you are. Just let everybody know what we're up to, and we want to just say thank you one more time for joining us this week.
2: Hey man, I enjoyed it, and again, I appreciate you fellas for having me on.
0: Thanks, Connor. Man, good luck. All right, Connor, good I luck. Appreciate it, Aaron. With Thanks, See y'all. Man. Very cool to have Connor Shaw join the podcast. Aaron, thanks for lining up that interview. I tell you what, we've had a lot of quarterbacks on lately. I might need to just find a kicker, a punter, anybody other than a quarterback. I, I like how we're sticking to the punt and pass mantra, but come on, dude. We gotta these guys, you guys are too smart, too handsome. Like leave some for the rest of us, would you please?
1: Dude, give give your boy uh Blair Walsh, a little call, see if he wants to join the podcast. I'm sure he would love to jump on.
0: Awesome, awesome. I'll try to line Blair up for a couple weeks from now. I know Blair is good for a hot take or two. I'm sure he would really enjoy it. But, again, big thanks to Connor Shaw, former South Carolina quarterback. And uh, as he just told us, he's been trying out for some NFL teams recently. So good luck to him. Aaron, it's time. Let's dive into week seven. got a lot of games to touch on here, so we'll kind of go a bit quick. But the biggest game of the weekend, it's that 3.30 CBS game. As always, number ten Auburn coming off another dominant win, travels to Red Stick, Louisiana to take on LSU. Auburn's a six and a half point favorite. Can LSU keep it rolling after a big victory over Florida? Is Auburn on upset watch in week seven?
1: I don't think so at all. It's gonna be tough going to LSU to play those guys. it's a It's a tough place to play. game of the week. Uh, they look pretty good versus Florida. Their defense has looked pretty good all season. I still don't think they are playing well enough. And, and Darius Geist needs to be fully healthy. He's been injured a lot this season. He's starting to look like the back he was last year, but still not 100%. So we'll see if another week of practice, another week of maybe some recovery, will get his juices rolling a little bit. But Danny Etling's really going to need to step it up. He still is a guy that if you put him in a big time game, I don't see him being able to lead you uh to a victory. So for for LSU, they're going to have to play great defense all day long. And and for this Auburn team, looking at them, it's going to be a tough task for for this LSU defense because Auburn is is currently rolling on offense. They had a ro- rocky start to the season. Their first few games, everyone's wondering, where is this offense? Where is this Jarrett Stidham kid? The kid is supposed to come in here and light the scoreboard up and and watching film of him these past couple of weeks. Yeah, they haven't faced a great defense in in Mississippi state. And then last week in Ole Miss, but the way he throws the ball, it's a thing of beauty. Uh, It's effortless. It looks great. Their playmakers on the outside look phenomenal. And then their running game has been on point all season. So mix that up with a great defense, something that they've been doing well all season. I look at this as another win for Auburn. It's going to be close just because it's at LSU and it's going to be loud. It's going to be wild. They may get after their, after sit a little bit in the past game, but There's just no offense on the LSU side of the football.
0: So Auburn laying six and a half. Do you think LSU keeps it close enough for that, or will Auburn cover?
1: Auburn will cover. I just don't see LSU being able to score points. They just can't score. They've yet to prove to me that they can, uh, again, double digits really against a good defense.
0: Absolutely. For me, this game is, is pretty simple to scout out. Matt Canada simply asking Danny Etling to do things that he can't do. I think Auburn's front seven is pretty dominant. They're going to get after LSU early. You just said it. LSU's not going to be able to put points on the board. Now, they do have a defense, LSU. They do have a defense to at least stand up to Auburn, right? They're not going to let sit back there all day, and and, carry on. Johnson's not going to have holes to run through like he did last weekend against Ole Miss. I mean, I could have scored a touchdown on some of those runs. It was very, very impressive. This game will be A lot more physical than Auburn's been used to, probably going back to that Clemson game that they ended up losing. But I like Auburn here as well. Matt Canada, adjust your scheme to the players you have. Don't ask your players to adjust to your scheme, okay? Coach the players that you have, and maybe, just maybe, you could find some success on the offensive side of the ball. I'm taking Auburn here as well, minus the 6.5. My favorite game of the weekend. Aaron and I'm saying it right now it's at noon on ESPN Tennessee's a favorite South Carolina travels up to Knoxville in Neyland Stadium to take on Butch Jones's Tennessee Volunteers and I think this game could go into overtime I think it's going to have a lot of dramatics I'm going to watch this game with keen eyes on Saturday who's going to win Tennessee's a two and a half point favorite
1: I think South Carolina is actually going to win this game. I think they're playing. They've played well on defense all year. I like the way they played on defense last week. And I'm still a big fan of their quarterback, Jake Bentley. Uh, he's a kid oh, yeah. who I think he's a playmaker. Uh, I think he brings a lot of energy and excitement to that team. And I just still think Tennessee right now is trying to find their identity. And And the only thing that's helping Tennessee right now is that they're coming off a bye week. Yeah, they didn't lose so they've last had some, week. Yeah, they didn't lose last week. But there's <laughs> there's they had some time to kind of look at themselves, self, self-evaluate, Uh, see if they can be that Phoenix rising from the ashes and kind of turn the season around because right now they really need to find their identity on offense. Uh, It's just, it's, I think it's been just bad play calling all year and and it's funny. I was actually up in Knoxville at the quarterback club of Knoxville or touchdown club or whatever it's called. They let you Uh, up there? Yeah, they let me up there. And I was actually, uh, there was one dog fan out of 250 people that were there. There was one dog fan. So when I got announced, I had one dude going crazy and (laughs) everyone else was not shout booing, out to but, that
0: dude shout out to that yeah.
1: dude. So it was good. We got a little talk and then they started popping off some questions and, and they asked me about, uh, their head coach and, and the play calling and what's been going on. And I said, listen, I was at the Florida, Tennessee game. Obviously I watched the Georgia, Tennessee game. And, and I just think in the big situations, there've been some awful play calls. They have not been put in the right situation. Uh, throwing the ball when they should run it, running when they should throw it. It's just, it's been a cluster <laughs> on both sides of the football. And I got a, a standing ovation. People started applauding. <laughs> that is like, unbelievable. They loved it. I was that like, oh no, what did I start? I felt bad for Butch for, I don't necessarily think I completely threw him under the bus, but I was just honest. giving my, on. yeah, I was being my honest opinion and, It's unfortunate that 250 Tennessee fans completely agreed with me. Oh,
0: my goodness. That's great. So you take South Carolina getting two and a half points. I'm going to go against you. I think Butch Jones coming off the bye week somehow, some way, they find a little bit of life in front of a home crowd and win this game. So I'll take Tennessee. The next game, Brett Bielema in Arkansas, speaking of dumpster fires, is heading to Bryant Denny Stadium. Number 1 Alabama Crimson Tide. They are a 30-point favorite in a conference game. This game's at 7:15 on ESPN. Man, talk about a team that's missing a particular coach. Brett Bielema did not want to let Sam Pittman go to Georgia. They can't run the ball. They can't protect a quarterback. They gave up three non-offensive touchdowns last week to South Carolina. I'm telling you right now, Alabama puts the train back on the tracks. Nick Saban is going to act like the guy, those guys lost a football game last week to Texas A&M when they, in fact, did not. Bama covers the 30. Arkansas starts looking for a new head coach.
1: Yeah. They start looking for a new head coach. And I'm the one thing that Arkansas had going into this season, uh, was Austin Allen, their quarterback who extremely accurate kid can throw the ball. But last year he got knocked around a lot. This year he's getting knocked around a lot. They're just not a very good football team in general. Yeah. They're giving up a lot of points. They're not scoring a lot. And, and I completely agree with what you said about Alabama. When, when Nick Saban's on big time TV, the spotlight, expecting the win by 27 points and they go in there and and still play well against a very good Texas AM team, but don't cover the spread. You know, he's looking at the spread. You know, he's going to have those guys just fired up all week in practice. He might push them a little bit harder. And I think it's going to be full steam ahead for this week for the guys. So what's, what's the spread again? I need one more time to make sure I heard points, it right.
0: <laughs> 30 so, points.
1: To have an SEC game be a 30-point spread is...
0: It's pretty insane. It's, un-
1: it's pretty crazy. You hear that every not not too often, but man, oh, it's a tough one. I, I gotta I gotta agree. It's at Alabama. Yep. Arkansas has just not looked good this season at all uh, on both sides of the football. And if Alabama would have played a little bit better last week, I might have given Arkansas a chance to cover. But no, Alabama's gonna be coming with a, uh, a fire under their butt. They're gonna rock and roll. So I got them covering the spread.
0: You just said it. Saban knows what. I- the point spread is in the late, great Bill Campbell, former head coach for Columbia. He is known and quoted by saying that good coaches win and great coaches cover. There's no doubt about that. And the next team that we're going to talk about, the Georgia Bulldogs, I feel like Kirby Smart may have learned this from Nick Saban. We just said Bama was a 30 point favorite. Georgia is a 30 and a half point favorite over Missouri. Between the hedges this weekend, your number four-ranked Georgia Bulldogs taking on the Missouri Tigers. This game's at 7.30 p.m. on SEC Network. Georgia is a a 30-and-a-half-point favorite. I think the Barry Odom project at Missouri is probably, and unfortunately for him, going to come to an end after this season. Missouri's supposed to have a high-powered offense. They have not found that sort of consistency that they had a year ago, Georgia's defense. Is full of studs. I would expect Georgia's defense to take advantage of Missouri's spread air raid offense. Score a touchdown. That's right. Defense scores a touchdown this weekend. Special teams continues to dominate. And I'm back on the track. I picked against UGA last week. Guess what? Lay the 30 and a half. Georgia covers at home. Go into the bye week 7-0. and And licking their chops for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party.
1: Yeah, we talked about it early in the show. Can Georgia cover, can their DBs cover? And so we'll get a good taste this week, uh, just how well that front seven is going to be able to get after the quarterback. And also, like we said, how well those defensive players are going to be able to be able to cover down the field. But Drew Locke, a kid who I turned on the TV last year, and he was throwing six, seven touchdowns, throwing throwing the ball all over the place. And and this year, he still has 13 touchdowns, but he has six picks. Mm. I think he's completing about fifty-two percent of his passes, so that's not that's not very good quarterback play right there. And also, this team is giving up, I think, forty points a game.
0: 40 scoring, points a game. They're,
1: they're scoring twenty-seven. That's not. But good they're <laughs> giving up forty. That's again. I'm not good at math.
0: I'm not again. good at math, but I have a feeling that that's a losing recipe. Can you confirm yeah, that's a, that for me?
1: That, there's a reason why they're one and four and zero oh and three in conference play right now. Is because. They're not scoring enough, and obviously they're giving up a whole lot of points. And, and the way Georgia's been running the ball, um, I think they're going to run on them all day. I just really want to see this Georgia team open up the playbook and throw it around a little bit. I think this would be a good four, one, yeah. Get in some four wides. And, and the biggest thing, and I know it's tough, you got a young quarterback, you're kind of scared to throw the ball over the middle uh, with that those 10-yard routes to the tight ends. But those guys are going to have to play play a huge role when you start playing these big-time teams. And when, they're, and when they're very talented tight ends, find a way to get those dudes involved in the pass game, become a full rounded offense. And this is a great weekend for them to start experiment. experimenting. Yes. But experiment. experiment. Have some fun on offense. Open that playbook up. I think Fromm's demonstrated enough that he can be trusted with the ball in his hand. So let's see what he
0: can do. Experiment. Word of the week on the Punt and Pass podcast. Hashtag experiment. Tweet that at us at punt and pass at Aaron Murray 11 at Drew Butler 13. Hashtag experiment. Maybe we have something special for you next week on the podcast. Aaron, the last game we're going to cover for week seven Texas AM after what seems like was a victory against Alabama, but they did lose. Travels to the swamp, takes on Florida. This game's at 7 p.m. ESPN 2, Florida is a three point home favorite, so pretty typical. Kevin Sumlin's teams in the past have imploded after playing Alabama. I think with Kellen Mund at the helm as their freshman quarterback and the kind of moxie that he plays with, I think a and is in for a pretty decent second half of the season. I like Texas A&M here. Give me the points. I like the Aggies in Gainesville.
1: I don't I like I like Florida I think the way they're playing they're playing defense right now and that's a tough place to play you know it's one thing playing Alabama with a great defense but at least you're at you're at home you're not dealing with the crowd noise but I think Florida at home it's a very tough environment to play in especially for a young QB so he I'm gonna he hasn't been rattled too much this season I think he's gonna be a little bit rattled in this game like I said their defense is playing well I think Florida is getting better and better every week in the run game. Oh, you're such a just like just like Georgia. I think Oh, don't start with me. Don't (laughs) hey, don't start that. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some more death threats from Georgia fans (laughs) if you keep that up. But honestly, I listen, this Florida team, they're running the ball better. I still think just like Georgia, they need to start opening up the playbook a little bit for, for for Felipe Franks. I think he has a great arm. I think he just needs more reps and seeing it live. So We'll see what happens, but I got Florida. I think their defense is strong. The home field advantage is huge, uh, and they're running the ball well right now.
0: Yeah, that Tom Petty tribute they did, I hope they started up as a tradition when they played I Won't Back Down at the start of the fourth quarter. That was really, really cool. So you take Florida there, and just to backtrack, you you, you took Georgia, right, minus 30.5? I did take Georgia. Okay, Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Well, that's the week seven preview, Aaron, another fantastic podcast. Once again, big thanks to Connor Shaw for joining us. Any last thoughts, Aaron, anything you want to get off your chest heading into week seven?
1: No, it's going to be another fun week. I mean, as we get closer to the end of the season, every game just matters more and more. Uh, and you also sh- should see better and better play from these teams. Their season now, the young guys have been able to play a full, full half of a season. So I just look for better football the second half of the season.
0: All right, you said it, man. And big thanks once again to our fans and listeners for getting interactive on social media. Again, we're at Punt and Pass. Subscribe, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. I'm, I'm going to call our fans out. Aaron, we didn't even sniff the top 30 on iTunes podcast last week. We mm. should be living within the top 15. So, everybody, tell your mother, Let's go. tell your brother, your sister, your dad, everybody, rate, review, subscribe. Let's get this thing to the top but once again you've been listening to the punt and pass podcast check back next week we'll be right here to give you everything you need to know and get you ready for your college football weekend see you